It's June 2014, and Game Over is finally going down. Game Over is, or was, is a very sophisticated botnet run by a Russian cybercrime syndicate. It's this vast network of infected computers that the criminals controlled. We could do a whole episode about how Game Over specifically worked, but the gist is... A normal botnet is made up of a bunch of computers that have been infected with malware, reporting back to a single control point, this central server. The people who control that server control the network, but this creates a vulnerability. Because if you can take down the central control point, you can take down the whole network. Cut off the head, kill the beast. Game Over took that idea and decentralized it. It's a botnet that operates like a peer-to-peer network. It's a hydra in this metaphor. Chop off one head, no sweat, there are countless others. All in, Game Over infected around a million systems globally. It harvested banking information and was rented out in spam, DDoS, and online extortion campaigns that made the people responsible around 100 million bucks as a nice round estimate. Operation Tovar, was the international joint plan to take Game Over down. And June 2014 was when they pulled the pin. Taking down a vast international cybercrime network is a vast international operation. FBI, Europol, NCA, and a bunch of private companies, universities, and institutions all working together. It's easy to picture guys in trench coats confiscating gear It's easy to picture government lawyers handing court orders to domain registrars. It's easy to imagine someone saying, go. And a bunch of people jumping into action. Chopping off all the Hydra's heads at once. Which leaves one last problem. What to do with this giant, rotting, monster corpse? In this case, the giant, rotting monster corpse is its data. A bunch of data flooding out of the botnet that now has to go somewhere. The solution is something called a sinkhole, and the subject of this update. In cybercrime parlance, a sinkhole is where you redirect toxic internet traffic once you've taken over control of an online criminal enterprise. It's this deep, dark hole where you can funnel the data, pick it apart, study it, and keep it quarantined. Shadow Server is a volunteer-run organization that helps identify and quarantine these networks, and importantly, a really big sinkhole. They served an essential role in taking down Game Over and most other high-profile botnet takedowns. They're volunteers who aid some of the largest law enforcement agencies in the world in taking down organized cybercrime. And this last week, they lost their main source of funding which is a really bad thing at an even worse time. This is Sinkles, Shadow Server, and how we map malware on this hacked update. So, broad strokes, how does a botnet work? How does a botnet work? Well, you have a lot of bots, computers, uh, IoT devices with malware, etc. These bots are spread out around the internet. 
And then usually there's a controller, uh, something that coordinates them all. So uh, sends out instructions that gets you know propagated amongst the botnet, telling all the bots what to do. Right. And what can you do with it? With a botnet? Yeah. You can do all kinds of things. DDoS, obviously, being one of the major ones. Spamming, yeah, for sure. You can change them all to, to mail servers and do spam, spam nets, stuff like that. Um, but I think the major thing is just, you know, DDoS. Right. I think that's the primary use of a botnet. Aside from just owning a lot of computers, which I'm sure comes with a lot of, you know, power if you needed access to something inside of one of the networks that you control the computer in. Before we get to taking these things down, is this a pretty high-level operation? Is this something kind of pedestrian, or is this something that takes a little bit more effort and coordination to put together? No, I think by the time you're trying to coordinate and own and control a massive botnet, you're probably, this is, like, you know, if this isn't your full-time job, it's leaning into that. You're, you're trying to take that startup and go full-time yeah, with it. Yeah, precisely. Like, you're, you know, you've been flirting with it at nights and stuff, working off it on the side of your desk, and now you're, you're trying to go full-time. Sure, sweat equity. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's flip it. I'm trying to take down a botnet. Talk me through how that process could even work. We talk a little bit in the opening story of it being kind of like a hydra. you got to chop off all the heads at once. Um, take me through, like, how would someone take down a botnet? Yeah, well, I think the and you know, in relation to the opening story, the 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 big way that they've been doing it is just identifying them, you know, seeing where they are, seeing where they're coming from, seeing you know what kind of botnet and malware networks these are, and then trying to figure out where they're being coordinated from. So lots of these bots know to reach back to the coordination hub and be like, "Hey, give me instructions," uh, because as you can imagine, the controller won't know how to tell like it won't know where all the bots get to right because this is kind of spreading like a virus so the controller won't know who's infected so the infected have to reach back to the controller and be like hey i'm infected you control me what should i do so in that reach back is where a lot of this um kind of capture is happening so they're programmed to reach back to specific uh, domain names. And what they're doing is they're kind of poisoning that DNS and taking control of that controller traffic, which is essentially stopping the infected hosts from reaching back to the controller. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, so I'm running one of these, these networks. I've told all of these devices to report back to, you said a DNS? Yeah, so like... Imagine you had, you know, jordansbotnet.com and control.jordansbotnet.com was the server that you wanted all of the infected hosts to reach back to. If the entire internet can kind of coordinate itself to poison jordansbotnet.com's DNS and take control of traffic going to controller.jordansbotnet.com, you know, if we can hijack that traffic, we can, you know, do lots of things, notably identify and kind of start to look at ways of uh, removing the botnet off of the infected host, but also essentially just taking away any kind of control authority from you. Okay, so step one is figuring out where all the traffic coming off these infected devices is going to. Right. Because you've basically found the hacker at that point. Yeah. So, like, just imagine like a like a virus spreading between hosts. Um, 
once you put this virus or malware into the world, you don't know who gets infected. So you need to be able to identify what computers out there I now control. And the easiest thing to do is to have them kind of call back and say, hey, Jordan, I have it. You control me. So once I've identified the domains where all that traffic is going to, um, how do I take control of it so that the traffic is coming to me? Yeah. So you're essentially the you know the, the term that you want to start chatting about is sinkholing, but but really what it is is poisoning. So you're saying, hey DNS server, instead of redirecting traffic to controller.jordansbotnet.com to this IP address, send it over to this new IP address. And this new IP address could be, you know, some massive security association. Uh, it could be, yeah, of note, uh, I think, you know, the original story and, and something that you've been reading about recently is Shadow Server, which is a big not-for-profit association that kind of looks to control, monitor, and shut down these massive botnets. Before you can control and monitor them, though, you have to map them out. Uh, how do you do that? Yeah, so like um, Shadow Server has a bunch of honeypots, which we've discussed in a previous episode. So they kind of have uh, vulnerable computers out there in the world looking to get infected with these malware things so that they can kind of stop and track and monitor the network traffic coming and going from them, which allows them to do a number of things like fingerprint the malware so they can get a good understanding of what it is, who made it, as well as monitor the network traffic to see, you know, hey, it's, it's creating a private VPN tunnel to this server in Russia. Um, turns out all of the infected hosts are probably creating that same VPN tunnel. Let's look and identify all network traffic that looks like that, and then we'll have a good understanding of who's infected. All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements, but your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before, and your IT resources remain limited. The Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. Visit cisecurity.org to play your part. All you want is to meet your security and compliance requirements, but your business technology keeps changing. Cyber threats emerge every day. More regulations apply to you now than ever before, and your IT resources remain limited. The Center for Internet Security can help. At CIS, we work to create a safer world for people, businesses, and governments through collaboration and innovation. Using a community-driven consensus process, we work with IT professionals and volunteers around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources save you time, money, and effort wherever you are on your cybersecurity journey. We also work with U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations to share information with one another so they're stronger together. Join us today in creating confidence in the connected world. 
Visit cisecurity.org to play your part. What happens if we don't have something like this? Uh, Shadow server specifically, and then organizations of this class. Yeah, I think uh, I think what you're referring to is the fact that Cisco just pulled their primary sponsorship from Shadow Server, um, which is probably greatly affecting their operations. If they were to go away, then botnets would run rampant, or or the a new company would spin up in its place. There's the, you know with opportunity or with problem comes opportunity. And uh, I trust that somebody will spin up to take care of that problem. So if Cisco is pulled out for whatever reason, Cisco pulled out, then like who funds this kind of operation? Well, just think about like uh, I remember doing an economic analysis on the cost of spam, you know, in, in the early 2000s. And it's massive. You know, back when spam was running rampant, just the data, just the power cost, the carbon output of the power used to create and move all of the spam in the world. Like we're talking about so much data that, you know, there's an opportunity there, just like there's an opportunity here. You know, massive botnets aren't only a threat, but they're also a major infrastructure headache. You know, if you've got millions of hosts generating tons of garbage traffic, and piping that up over ISPs, over cell networks, you know, it's companies like that that are going to then have to start paying the cost of it. So I suspect that that they'll quickly have their funding hole filled, or a company will spin up that does exactly the same thing and sells memberships to massive companies like telcos, internet service providers, etc. Last question: What if we just do nothing? What if Shadow Server doesn't get more funding, it goes away, and we just don't have this service anymore? It's very much you know, a bit of an analogy for what's going on in the world right now. You know, We have a, a separate type of crisis that's spreading, and if we all just ignored it, it would become paramount. So we're all trying not to ignore it and trying to do our parts to kind of control and contain and slow it down. And that's the same with this. You know, Imagine if every botnet they've ever taken offline just grew and grew and grew and grew and they were all just compounding imagine the the infrastructure taxation that that would be thanks for listening everybody Uh, up next we're going to jump over to hacked after dark the segment of the show where we follow up on stuff we got wrong and things people said to us on twitter on today's episode of hacked after dark we're going to have a response to a gentleman who tweeted at us uh, Twitter user at Lancaster rightfully pointed out that we, in the last episode about um, personal and national responses to the, the COVID pandemic, we talked about what Iran was doing. Iran was just is just distributing malware. It's a separate thing. But we did irreverently ask the question, what use would location data have in a crisis like this? Uh, and he points out that uh, Israel has been text messaging people saying, hey, you were in a physical location where someone else was that had COVID. So he rightfully points out there's a total use for totally. having GPS data that just didn't really occur to us when we were talking about that. I feel like we're only weeks away from all being in proximity to people that have had it. <laughs> it just turns into spam at that point. <laughs> it just turns into spam. It just turns into a botnet. net.